This episode was brought to you by Bowl, because round shapes taste better than flat shapes. I see us in the park. Um, summer days of imaginings in our heads and words from the heart. Whispered unto the wind without the incense. And I don't want to bore you with my troubles, yeah. But there's something about your love that makes me weak, yeah. Knocks me what off my feet. Jacquees, I don't want to bore The truth for me was that I am used to having salt and pepper on my chicken. You guys, so some brilliant internet queen brought this amazing clip, which I actually have seen before, back to the forefront of everyone's imagination, which is just like a really cool statement on how everything is forever on the internet and what becomes news doesn't even necessarily have to be current. So this guy, Spencer Althaus, wrote, I often think about the time Oprah did a cooking segment with a woman whose chicken recipe won one million and Oprah's jaw dropped when she tasted it and realized the lady didn't even add seasoning. So this clip is so painful. I mean, Oprah, Queen, Queen Oprah eats this piece of chicken and she like almost chokes. It's almost like you see on her face just register the shock, the the kind of juxtaposition of like, wait, this is someone that won an award. This is award-winning chicken and it tastes terrible. Like this has to be a cruel joke someone's playing on me. How did this unseasoned chicken get past my production team? So she says to the lady, I mean, she's like, like she's not swallowing. She's like, oh, I think... um, I think we needed salt and pepper, which she kind of phrases diplomatically as if to say like her production team perhaps just like prepared it wrong, like as if her test kitchen, you know, in the test kitchen where they prepare things that they take out, you know, where they make a big sample for the audience and everything. They just forgot the seasonings. They just forgot it. But instead, this this simple lady did not take the bait and she said, well, there's no salt and pepper in the recipe, but it can you can add it if need. What do you mean? What do you mean there's no salt and pepper in the... What are you talking about? I mean, the memes, the very ungenerous memes that are going across the internet right now and hurting people's feelings about how there are unkind jokes, which I know is not true from many of my friends cooking that I've had, about how white people don't add seasoning to their food. My point is those memes, they joke about only using salt and pepper. This woman didn't even use salt and pepper. Oh, gross. It's crazy. Oprah is not sorry. She had to live in her truth, she said in her response. She had to make a response because it's been retweeted. It has had 4 million views and been retweeted like 60,000 times. So she she came up with a response and she said, "I, I basically, I want everyone to have a good time. But essentially, I wasn't having a good time eating cold 
you know, globular chicken breasts, chalky, nasty, unflavored meat just sitting like a lump in my throat. She was like, I wasn't wasn't having the best time. So it was it was embarrassing for everyone, but like it's not embarrassing that Oprah didn't like your food. It's embarrassing that you made a recipe that doesn't have salt and pepper in it. So don't blame Oprah. All right, without further ado, Shade Adieu, we have Roger Quincy Mason, RQM. I am here in his estate in Koreatown. <laughs> I'm surrounded by leather-bound books. I'm holding a quill pen, and I'm ready. Roger is a playwright, screenwriter, and diva extraordinaire. You know what? Estate my ass. This is great gardens, honey. Our family, so so Kalechi is here at my house. We're in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And um, the story here is that the house was built in the 20s. And my family moved here um, in the 40s. From Texas, uh, well, his Texas, dad, your dad's side, my of the dad's family. side of the family. Because we'll, we'll your get, mom's side, right, is Filipino. So we're just gonna put a pin. We've been putting pins. You're putting in a things. pinoy. Pinoy. <laughs> we're gonna put a pinoy in that. But we're talking about my dad's side of the family right now. So my dad's side of the family is black and Irish, and they were from Texas, from Del Valley, outside of Austin. And moved to L.A., as many black folk did um, during the Great Migration in the 40s, which was really the second Great Migration. Um, the first wave came in the teens and the 20s. But these were sort of the later settlers who had moved to L.A. in the 40s um, to seek lives in industry, in light manufacturing, etc. In my family's case, my grandmother was a childhood educator, and my grandfather, who's actually the original Roger Quincy Mason, I'm named after him. He's the second. He's, I'm the second. Mm -hmm. I would be the second. So my grandfather was an attorney and a politician. So they originally lived um, in South Central Los Angeles, which, um, yay, yay. right, had none of the connotations that, <laughs> that unfortunately the world placed shake on it. Shake it off, shake it up, make it up, break it up, break it up. <laughs> Interludes are killing me. All I, I want to do is have fun with my loved ones. So the, 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 the Central Avenue, which is really what it was, South Central or Central Avenue, we're talking about the era of, of Club Alabama. We're talking about Duke Ellington, Alina Horn, Cab Calloway. We're talking about doctors and lawyers and, and, and postmen and, and business folks, middle-class families that were relegated to that part of town because of real estate apartheid. They mm. could not buy property west of Central Avenue, mm. which is why this community developed in that time period. And it was a real heyday for black Los Angeles. So the story... Wait, so where we are used to be where black Los Angeles... No, okay. so I'm talking about South Central. Okay. They lived on Central Avenue, honey, mm -hmm. when they first moved to L.A. from Texas. Okay, up on the Ave. Okay. Uh, up on the Ave, right. Now... Then my dad apparently had a doctor that he was going to visit. This was in the late 40s. And the car broke down. And the doctor, um, his office was in the Mid-Wilshire area where we are currently sitting. Mm -hmm. Now this is called Koreatown. At that time, it was Mid-Wilshire or Western Avenue. We'll put a slight pin in Western Avenue because there's a Hollywood story to tell there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the car broke down and it stopped in front of this house. And my grandmother said, I'm going to live in that house. So what they did at the time, 
because they were, as I told you, black and Irish. So some of them could pass and some of them couldn't. Mm. So the ones that did passed and they bought the house. And they claimed, and the family claimed, that they were caretakers. So those that didn't, it was sort of oh a mixed God. bag, so they were caretakers. They said the other, they said the dark skin relatives were I their don't know. maids or something? Well, we'll just go with that story for right now. What they said was that the family in general was a caretaker for the house. And so my aunt used to say to, uh, to, the, um, to the lighter skin folks, shut your mouth and don't speak because they'll think you're Spanish. Wow, that's a lot of that's a whole lot of passing. There's a lot of different levels. There are a lot of, of levels. There are a lot of levels of passing going on. And in fact, my grandmother had a cousin who could pass even further than she could. They worked together. The cousin had a job as the secretary to the um, principal at the school where she was working. And my grandmother was a school teacher. They couldn't play like they knew each other at work. They had to play like they didn't know each other. So they they'd walk their separate ways at work and then come home. Mm. So we're talking about a very, very different mm. world. I know a lot about passing because sometimes in my neighborhood in Harlem, if I leave the house and my hair is wet, people say, excuse me, miss, is you Spanish? But then when it dries into an Afro, they, they don't try to talk to me. Well, you Spanish know, I anymore. get excuse me, miss, too, but for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been trying to lose weight and get healthy? Have you told yourself this is the year? This is the year I'm finally going to lose those three pounds. Then you need bowl. At bowl, we serve everything to you in a bowl. Everything. Quinoa bowls, salmon bowls, acai bowls, organic bowls, deep fried bowls, all kinds of bowls, hamburger bowls, macaroni and cheese bowls, pasta bowls, and rice bowls, paleo bowls, lactose-free bowls, gluten-free bowls, and more. You can also have different kind of bowls, cardboard bowls, recyclable bowls, hollowed out drum bowls, empty coconut bowls, bowls from your grandma's house, bowls that you found on the side of the road. It doesn't really matter because when you cup your food like a baby bird, it's healthier. Plates are so 2015. If you don't want everyone to make fun of you, eat your food out of a bowl. Now back to the podcast what's really interesting about talking about responses from men and sort of uh, passing the the new thing that's going on in my life or it's really not new but I've been acknowledging it um is gender passing so Mm. you know so the thing for me is um it took me a very long time to put a name to who and what I was Mm. Uh, meaning to say that I'm male assigned at birth and I still do acknowledge myself to be male but my voice, my mannerisms, my, my performance of identity apparently register as what people would call female. So whenever I get on the phone, oh, miss, ma'am, and oh, let me tell you, miss Mason gets hmm. anything she wants, honey. <laughs> I could be sitting Sisters up, are doing it for themselves. Okay. I could literally, in person, could have a five o'clock shadow. And they'd still call me Miss. You'd still be a Southern Belle. And I'd still be some kind of Southern Belle who just unfortunately had not picked up her nair and all her accoutrement (laughs) and fixed her face for the day. Her electrolysis. Her her electrolysis was a little behind by Mm. a few weeks and a few zaps. Mm. By a few testicles. Hey, darling. We don't tell the kids anything because let me tell you, here's the thing about gender and gender expression. Here's the thing about testicles. People believe what they want to believe. And they believe what they have been conditioned to believe. And when you come in as a person that 
either disrupts or exceeds or somehow questions their understanding of the world. They become so confused and so terribly disoriented. But why? Okay, so I know that I have a very almost sheltered liberal background in that, you know, in high school I was in like the Gay Straight Alliance. Um, You know, my sister, she's married to a woman. She came out like when she was in college. Roger just went to go take a roast out of the oven. It'll, he'll be right back. Okay, the roast is falling off the bone. So my question was, I, I like to try to put myself in the view, in the mindset and try to imagine, try to act as if, you know, of other people. But it's hard for me to understand why what someone else is doing affects you that much. And I think I actually was forced to read a book. Um, they forced you to read? But, well, like one of my exes wanted me to read this book called, what was his name? He's a pretty important think, political thinker. Jonathan Shate, I think. And he, um, it was about like the different ways that liberal and conservative people think. Okay. And it actually had okay. these different points that you just assume you might take as a given if you're one side, but it's really not a given. Which, so maybe I'm answering my own question, which is that conservative people, they found, cared more about group mentality, like people doing things as a group is actually important. Whereas, of course, you know, you being from L.A., me being from New York State, but then like being a New Yorker for like 10 years. Individualism. Do what you want. I'm going to have showtime on the subway. Talk to whoever you want to. Scream, scream at an apple. Be weird. Do you. I'm going to sit and I'm going to have my headphones on. I'm going to do what I want. If you don't get in my space, I don't really care what you're doing. I care about the well-being of humanity. Like I'm not like shut off, but I don't care what you're doing. So even that assumption that... Some people, you know, do care about stuff that doesn't directly seem to affect them. Like, I'm answering my own question. Apparently, even that, you to understand what other people think, you even have to turn that idea on its head. Well, see, think about this, though. What, what... Does- but, but before you respond, my, so my original thing that I was going to say before I started talking to myself was... <laughs> whoop, 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 was why are people so threatened by stuff like that? Like stuff they don't understand. Like people get so mad. You're a woman. Then be a woman. I'm like, what other scientific facts are you really sure? So sure of like, you don't have any other bad, you know, when they're like, that's gayness doesn't occur in nature. It's not natural. It does occur in nature, but you know what doesn't occur in nature? Like Xbox or something. Ah, You still ah, do ah, that. So, Oh God. So yeah, like I, but I know, so I know there's something so upsetting to people that I'm not really tapped into because I, I DGAF. Um, but I want to understand it. So that I can means like, I don't give a fuck just for those of us that don't speak millennial podcast language. Um, so, so, but I just, yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Well, think about what you just said. What you just said is that conservatism is about creating a hive mind of, of, of status quo acquiescing individuals. Okay, but let's try to talk about it in not a shady way, like as a thought experiment. Okay, so conservatism is about... Like, why might that be a good thing? Conservatism is about creating a group and a community that move together towards a common goal or a common set of goals. And then you're saying that liberalism is about supporting the the thoughts and the doings of the individual. Yeah. So you want me to say why 
conservatism in a neutral, non-judgmental way, why conservatism is a positive thing? Is that what no, you're no, asking no. me to do? No, no, no. I don't need you to say that it's positive. We're not going, this is still my podcast. I'm just saying. You said a thought experiment, so I'm like, I don't know how far do you want no, me no, to no. go? No, no, no. We can stop. We're done with this. The, the <laughs> results are in. I'm very conservative. The lab. Now, so I'm actually, the lab, really. <laughs> the lab exploded. Um, you know, there's beakers everywhere. No, it was really just... Yeah, just like, okay, some people think like that, and maybe it, it doesn't suck all the time. Well, like, it's, impo- it's important us. that I think that so that I can stay alive. Bowls, bowls, all kind of bowls. Black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese bowls. If you want to be sexy, eat in the bowl. Don't eat plates, because then you're dumb. Pick me, pick me. So I think we are going to go into some current events next. Ooh, yes. So Roger... Has expansive knowledge on a bunch of different topics, but I don't think is as entrenched in pop culture as I am. So we're going to like <laughs> pick some things and it'll kind of be funny to see our different uh, takes on it. And like it. perhaps he will have not heard of any of it from this moment. So we can extemporaneously find out what he thinks. Oh, my God. I just played you by Jacques for Roger. He's disgusting. I, I, I mean... It's a robot singing. It's not a person. <laughs> so, I mean, R&B, he's saying he's the king of R&B. Mm-hmm. Who, the king of which village or which island or which little... He said... Serfdom. He said, I don't know. So which, which fiefdom are you? But he said... Um, okay, first of all, so Jacques, Jacques is someone who many of you probably don't know. And I only found out because I was watching the Soul Train Awards, which were excellent this year. Really entertaining. John B. was there. Ooh. Shit, he could be the king of R&B. Okay. And then um, Jacques was singing this song, which just like everyone in the audience knew the words to the chorus. I'd rather be with you and all your bullshit. I'd rather be with you and all your bullshit. And I was like, oh, so we made an anthem about settling that just the girls are just going hard for in the audience. Like you could tell that they just, this was just a song that they turn on to like, just remind themselves why they're going through just like whatever nonsense, whatever opposite gender or gender you're, you're dating nonsense that they're going through. Like, I was just like, that's not romantic. Am I missing? Is there, there's a cog missing? Like, what am I missing? Like, I don't find this attractive. I, I think you can't you can't define your own place in the kingdom. I think you have to let. Well, that... Well, he said someone said that before. Who? I think he said the man in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, look, just do the work. Here's the thing: do the everyone, whether you're a musician, a comedian, an actor, um, a, a bricklayer. Just do your Okay, work. but you haven't seen this knocks me off my feet video. Oh god. So I realized I'd seen this before and he wasn't joking. Let's listen. This is him singing. Just wait. Let's wait. <laughs> Boy. I mean, uh, no wonder he uses auto tune. <laughs> Just wait, just wait. Because I was like, this is a joke. Oh, that sounds Me, we can. You're not, you're below the key. You're just completely below the key. Obviously, he's not trained and operatically exposed like you, dog. No, it doesn't fucking matter. You don't need training. You're not. Well, some people are tone deaf, and he's obviously one of them. Listen, listen, wait. 
What was that? Fee. No. Oh. oh. Don't post that. Why would you post that? Okay, so he Why would you went, post? But so I realized that I had seen this before I heard that song about bullshit. And I didn't connect that that was the same person, but he posted that like nobody forced him under duress. No one put He's a gun to his head. Delusional. He put it on he put it on the internet himself and went viral. For good reasons or not? No. <laughs> he probably thinks it's great. He does. It's oh, crazy. So anyway, so guy. that that conversation, I saw other lists on my feed saying that Chris Brown was the king of R&B. <sighs> Chris I don't Brown follow his music is not, he makes, he, okay, so he has a huge, huge uh, canon. What's the word I want to look? I don't know. What's Repertoire? The word? I guess. Like. It really seems like he's the only person that people can find to be the guest on their trap track for like rap songs and stuff. But I don't know why. Like I never liked, you know, when it's like annoying name, but excuse me, miss. Yeah. When his voice was changing, oh like God. when he first came out, he sings with his throat. He sings well, with his throat. These, most of these singers. He still do sings that, with his throat. It doesn't sound good. Also, it is not romantic. When I sing to you and just worry about like what it would be like to be with you and how like you're singing love songs to me, but the next moment you might be like dangling me by my ankles off a bridge. Like that's you, right. you're immediately disqualified. You, you're not, you're not qualified. And so to put it best, Diddy, I never thought I'd say this, but Diddy saved the day. He Come said, on P Diddy or Diddy. Is that right? I, I don't Diddy know. We love him. He said for anyone to be considered the King, you got to start making some R and B. Well, oop, boop. You have to be vulnerable. You have yes. to be speaking about love. Yes. You have to affect women in a positive way. And your ass got to be able to sing. <laughs> Shit. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, Diddy. He's, Come on. He said R&B is not being made right now. No, that's not true to me. This is not R&B. I want to make sure y'all clear. We you clear. You got to make some R&B to be the what? King of R&B. All okay. right. All right. All right. So I really appreciated this because the that immediately disqualifies Chris Brown. Like, you make me feel unsafe. And, like, <laughs> nothing romantic rhymes with the word pussy. So oh, Jesus you're Christ. disqualified. Next, Kalani. Do you know Kalani? No, tell she's me. She's a great singer. She's a... Um, She's biracial from California. Um, I think she might be part Asian too. Like y'all are probably friends. I don't know. Um, she's just she's one of the you LA types. She's one of the LA types. Yeah, and yeah. she has a very like sweet voice. She's a young girl. She's queer. She's been through a lot of oh, like into it. issues. Uh, had a suicide attempt that was widely publicized. So she's wow. she's been going through a lot of things with her fame. But she said subversively that Beyonce is the king of R&B. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I said, let's, let's, good point. Because even though I think Beyonce is more pop now, like, let's not let gender be an excuse to dole out awards for mediocrity. Well, mediocrity is We, if no one, like Diddy said, if no one is making R&B right now, no males, then no one's going to be the king. But I don't, I don't quite agree with that either. So let's circle back. Okay, so a real list of R&B contenders. Oh, let's get it. First of all, who have I been in love with since, like, fifth grade? Maxwell. Maxwell. Oh my God. Who have I named uh, my godson after? Did I, you really? I suggested the name and it was accepted. Yes. I don't. I don't know if he knows that. Max is too young to listen to this. He's fourteen. But Maxwell. Who have I seen in concert the most out of any artist? I mean, that man's voice is angelic. 
It's and so sensual. Now you're talking about what? What did he say? Affecting a woman in a positive way. He oh affe- my gosh! Maxwell, when I honey. was like a little baby feminist. And he would be talking about how, like, just what he wants to do for women and how he wants to go to the store and buy them pads and all this shit. And he was probably pandering, but it spoke right to my little he baby feminist He might have been pandering, heart. honey, but I dropped my drawers in my mind. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. I actually, that song, that Love and Basketball song. Uh-huh. Oh, this woman's work, originally by this Kate, work, by Kate right. Bush. Yeah. yeah, so I had actually at his last concert I went to, which was down um, at Coney Island in the new amphitheater. Oh, yeah. I was sitting in the second row. I was singing along, ev- like, not only to every lyric, but every, like, riff, every, like, just, like, every ornament. And yeah. he actually looked at me and was just like, oh. Okay, he point like he looked and like pointed and was like like kind of a thumbs up like this bitch is over here like doing my background vocals like right. to to the letter. And to artists like- and true artists <laughs> appreciate when people see their craftsmanship. Yeah, he's I a think genius. Our two words today are quotidian and craftsmanship. He's a genius. Now I'm gonna he's say true. he doesn't have that. Uh, you know, he doesn't have that huge library. He takes long seven year breaks and then he comes back. He's and Sade. So- he's Sade. And then, you know, D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. Genius. I have Raheem Devon in here. You know Raheem Devon? Guess no. who loves you more? They don't love... Okay, he's great. Daniel Caesar. I know him. Oh, oh my little... Oh. Oh. Do we need a, uh, do we need a napkin? He's Are you just, spooning? Oh, his Smelling music salt. is so... Do you want to talk about some, like, love music? Ooh, child. R&B oh makes you want to drop your drawers and make children. That's what R&B Food is. out in famine, natural disaster. My baby has been around for me. Ooh, yeah. Yes. See, doesn't it make yes. you want to drop your drawers? Yes, drop the drawers. Drop, drop them drawers. drawers, girl. Here we go. And when we're making love... Your cries they can be heard Ooh. from far and wide. Little Lisa Fisher right there. He got references, and I don't know, y'all. <laughs> Everything I need <laughs> between those beep. Okay, we just whew, we just. We had to detour. We had a little, a, got yeah, a little was, excited. That was so good. Okay, Mario. I do don't play him. with me. I do love Don't him. play yeah. with me. And the hair. That and little, he's a queer that color. little Blexican. Wait, he's queer? You made that up for you. Did I make that up? Yes. Wiki, you just Wiki made that, that up. Because, is he gay? That is, is solely for your benefit. I don't think so. I think he is. Mario is not gay. Oh, I'm hoping so. Just His right. name isn't even Mario. I've been talking. We've been talking about Miguel this whole time. Oh, Miguel! I always that's do that the one. shit. I don't. That's just, the one. That's Mario. Remember Mario though? I want to know your name, man. I want to know if you got. Yeah, a yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know. So um, that's Miguel. That's not Mario. Yeah, sorry. Um, Miguel discusses gay rumors. He's not gay. Oh God. Let's see. What did he say? I've embraced a lot. Of worldly culture, and I made it a part of who I am. People who are here who have not done that may look at my choices artistically. What are you talking about? Okay, so he gay. That's fine. No, he didn't <laughs> say that. He said, I love women. I've only loved okay. women. You made that up. 
So coincidentally, uh, Mari Miguel Miguel. I don't know why I was doing that. Miguel has a cover of the same song that we just listened to. Really, that's really pretty. He has like stripped down. He does the Spotify sessions with just acoustic. Oh, I. But love Miguel that. is a fabulous singer. He's got a lot of songs at this point, a bunch of albums. I, the King. What are okay, Roger? Do you have any King options? I mean, the King is is Will Downing. Oh my God, Will Downing! Do you know that we used to listen to that in the car driving? Oh, that's, that's the King on my island. Uh, if you something, if we fly away, I can feel your every need. I love Will Downing. I will give you love. Do you remember that one? I on do. my island. Yeah. My parents used to listen to that. That's the King. Yo, Roger will give you some old school. Like if you hang around, Roger. <laughs> That's the king. And I think about him and those duets with um, Rochelle Farouk. Speaking of old school things, did you know that Anita Baker is going to do a residency in Vegas? Oh, I'm so excited. I might actually go to that. I, I really Has might. there ever been a residency that's not, you know, like the flashy, like, sequins, like dancers? No. Da- dancer they're first. always, like, always flashy, but this is going to be good. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's, I don't know about a singer-singer residency in Vegas. Like, that this woman is really has, cool. her voice has been so beautifully preserved. She's still. It's so unique. Oh, it's such an interesting Does anyone voice. know the words to Sweet Love? Do you actually no. know the words? All I know is, mm, no. Roger, sing, no. sing it, sing it. Oh, no. No. Come on. No. Oh, I haven't sung in years. And got me calling out your name. I don't know. You know, she sounds, she does that she, little. <laughs> Yes, Roger. Something. I haven't sung in years, so don't. Okay, so. I'll get the auto-tune later. We're going to continue to think about this. Who else's voice makes me feel magical feelings in well, my, I mean, there's in my Esther nether Phillips. regions? Esther Phillips. Is that a man? No, that's we're a We're still on this kingdom thing. Um, oh, kingdom. Plates, 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 plates are late. Put that shit back in 2008. Brought to you by Bowl. Okay, so we said we were going to talk about the first collaboration that we did together. Um, okay, so when you approached me on campus and told me... Well, first of all... Um, you discovered me. I, you discovered yourself. Oh. So it was our freshman year, mm-hmm. and um, I was a very enterprising little child at the time. And I had brokered a deal with the theater company on campus that did new... Uh, work and notice that he broker his brokering deals yeah. as an 18 year old yeah, well, he had to i mean that's show business and i knew that very early on <laughs> we princeton is not a is not a we don't have a theater major it's a concentration it is not a show business school but continue well you know i mean it prepared you for how to how to function in this business because everything was political so i had gotten um chosen to direct a play as part of the Freshman One-Act Festival. It was a, a festival of work that was produced, directed, and performed by freshmen um, that were interested in working in the theater. So, for some reason, um, at the time, I was very interested in mid-century black work. Okay, but wait, go back to how you discovered me. 
on campus. Well, this is how I discovered you. Walked, you. So, you saw me. Where, so I was I walking so to I was the looking for, so student this, union. Where so, was I going? So in this play, there was a, a, a project for a black female lead. And, of course, I was warned that there were no black students that were actors. Lies and, and deceit. So all the fake news before they called it that. <laughs> so I was walking around. I believe we were coming out of um, Frist Campus it's the Center. Campus the Center. Center. Which is also, uh, if you guys are fans of House, it's the hospital on House. Right, the hospital that they, they pan they, out yeah, from. Yeah, they pan out and shoot that, and it's the hospital. But it's really where we're eating um, fried food Fried food late and at pizza night. late yeah. at night. Yeah, so we were walking, and I saw this girl, and she, she had this short haircut. And I said to her, honey, you look like Josephine Baker. <laughs> and you kind of... Had that little look, and you were kind of like, "Who's this crazy fuck <laughs> um, talking to me like this?" Because I just felt like I could talk to anyone, which he can and does. I, I just say whatever the hell I want, and I said, "Do you act?" And I said, "What did you say?" I don't remember what I said, but I do. You know, I was. She finagled it. I she did finagled it. No, I, I acted. I did all the musicals. You had acted. That's in what school. you said. You said that you had done a lot of work in musical theater, mm-hmm. and that you were interested, and in, that you were a freshman, and that you were interested in doing work in the theater department at mm-hmm. the school. And I said, "Well, I've got a gig for you," mm-hmm. and so I sent you the script. And what I discovered was a really talented collaborator because you demanded answers to such penetrating questions about the work. I don't remember that, but um, well, thank you. Well, I remember you. the room. <laughs> I remember the rehearsal room. You made me work, goddammit. See, because I had talked all that why, shit about why, knowing why, what to do. Why? And then I got in the room, and then it was, we had to work. And, and you put me to work. It was a beautiful... Do you know that I, I don't think he knows this, but I was hanging out with some of our other friends from school... Do you know that I still get asked to recite lines from the play? Are you kidding? No, I'm dead ass. Recite some lines from the play. Just, okay, so the play was about... So, Contribution. Contribution by Charles... What's his name? Oh, God. I he was Charles. So, he was part of the Black Arts Movement. I know that, and... Um, well, we will put the link in the show notes when we find great, it, but great. he... Um, I called him on the phone before oh. I did the show. I spoke to him Oh, my God. See, this is the kind of networking that Roger was yeah, doing I got his phone number for a, for a school play. I was 18. You don't have, I called you don't, this playwright. You don't have to call playwrights. Um, but anyway, he this play was about a woman who was a domestic uh, servant for a family. In the and, South. In, in the, the South, 50s. In the 50s. She seems to be like a nice, you know... You know, get on kind of mammy figure, right? Who takes care of everyone and they love her cooking. Then at the end, her uh, employers die. She has poisoned their cornbread because, (laughs) yeah, they uh, they, she actually works for the doctor that turned her husband away when he needed medical care um, from a segregated hospital, right? And uh, her turned her husband away in an emergency, he died. So to get revenge, she has uh. She poisons her cornbread. But there was a point where I'd, I just talk about all the years of working and, like, what happened to me. And I say, and I got Mina and Mina. Do you remember the Mina and Mina? I do remember this. Just I do. Mina and Mina, but, but Alana, if you're listening, Hannibal, they were like, do it, do it, oh Mina and Mina. Hannibal person. Do Mina and Mina. And Hannibal's got a sister who's, who's, who's a funny girl. She's a writer. Yeah, she's and a writer. And she's doing some for fabulous for work. Samantha B. 
I love Hel- it. Halcyon. And we were in the same acapella group. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, um, so that was a great play. And I don't want to get emotional, but you know that that... Uh, there are a few tears. My play, that play was my first leading role. Wow. It was on my... Uh, my first leading role in college, it was on my birthday. Wow. And I didn't think that my dad and my little brother were going to be able to come up. Yeah. But uh, my dad and my brother came and like, Chiameka is my little brother. He came into the dining hall and said, surprise, I'm your birthday present. And my dad oh, came wow. too. And so he was able to see me in that show. And that was the last time that I saw him. So mm. he passed away shortly after. But mm. that was just a beautiful... A beautiful memory. So that thank I didn't you know. for Yeah, that you're like intrinsically connected to like that uh wow. that time that was so special. It was what a gift for him to like see me doing what I guess he might have had a sense that I was later gonna do. Right. Um right. I think it was kind of clear. I like to th- I like to think it was clear and I like to think about that. Um but anyway. That's a beautiful, powerful mm-hmm. story. I never knew that. Yeah, a powerful story and just uh Cool to have that like l- that landing point to look at a long time friendship and where it started. Yeah. So Okay guys, this is it for my first episode with a guest star co-host. Oh my god. So a sincere thank you to Roger Quincy Mason for hosting me in LA and for being on the show. Roger, do you have any do you have anything you want to talk about? Any projects you want to promote? Oh, promote. Sure. I've got plenty of stuff going on. Um, watch out for my movie, Softer. It mm. will hopefully be um, hitting festivals soon. We're um, excited about that project. I'm um, devising a new play that's a male burlesque piece um, set in 1920s about uh, Mae West's, uh, some of Mae West's drag boys mm. that were in her play, The Pleasure Man. Yeah. And... Um, and then my play, pleasure the, man, the where pleasure you gonna man. run to? Pleasure man, where you gonna run to? Pleasure <laughs> man, where you gonna run to? When Roger Q writes you down. Yeah. So um, the last thing is my play, The White Dress, which is my genderqueer coming of age piece. Oh my God, so good. Is Thoughts going to be hitting. Twice. Oh, you came twice? That's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So it's going to be in New York in June. Where? Um. We can't say right now, but it's yeah. at a, it's at a really nice spot. So that it's going to be in New York in June, and then in Los Angeles in August. Where? At Son of Semley Theater in LA. I can say that. Yay! Okay, thank you so much for listening, and that's all for now. And as Carol Burnett said, I'm so glad we had this time together. I'm super glad. Okay, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Cake and kombucha is usually recorded in my New York apartment with radiators and things like that. Now, this week, it was recorded in Los Angeles at the Mason Estate. Cake and Kombucha is produced by me, Kalechi Azie, and the amazing Jason Torres. And it is edited by me. It's a collaborative effort. It's grassroots from the ground up. Please like, subscribe, share, blog about it, tweet about it. Do what you got to do to get the word out. And I really want to engage and hear what you think. So email me at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. I want your questions, your comments, your feedback. I'm ready for it. I can take a hit. I can take it if you don't like me, okay? But I know that you probably do. Because you listen till the end.
This music is by Melanie Charles. If you want to hear more from her, check her out on Spotify or go online to melaniejbcharles.com. She is a Haitian goddess. Erzuli. Don't miss out. Don't mess this up. <laughs>